Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Podcast, where we talk about those good movies, those bad movies, and those movies that you secretly watch on a Sunday, rainy Sunday afternoon. Like Zombievers. Like Zombievers. My name is Micah. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles. And today we are so excited because we have a guest star with us today uh, who has brought his own uh, subgenre of movies that he's going to talk about. It's Dr. Mike McGinnis. Why did you use finger quotes when you said guest star, <laughs> Yeah, I guess you couldn't see that. <laughs> we saw it. So, um, he, uh, <laughs> Mike is... Way to derail the whole podcast. <laughs> Let's get it out early on. Let's do it. So, Mike is, um stepped away from saving people's lives so that he can come talk to us about movies. Yet again. <laughs> and uh, Mike, what are the uh, picks that you have for us? Well, the genre, if you will, that I've chosen is Quentin Tarantino movies. And the three movies that I've chosen are Death Proof, Inglorious Bastards, and Pulp Fiction. Now, I want to start out by saying I know this is going to be a very controversial uh, episode because... I don't know that Quentin Tarantino makes bad movies. I think really all of these movies are pretty decent, but um, some of these things are not as as good as others. Let's put it that well, way. Let me just say too, I was really really excited whenever I saw that your picks were, or that your genre was Quentin Tarantino because I'm a huge Tarantino fan. I know Charles is. Uh, Kelly. Have you seen one? <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm breaking my own mold wow. here. I have seen... I had seen Pulp Fiction. I didn't see the other two uh, before now. But okay. Yes. But. And outside of that, have you seen other Tarantino films? Or? Um, I've seen From Dusk Till Dawn. And I think... Well, that's I, a Rodriguez film written by oh, Tarantino, right? Okay. So well, I've seen... That's cool. Well, he's in it. He is in that it, yes, yes. Counts. And I have sure. seen and that's fell asleep with... during Kill Bill. So. That's when Destiny <laughs> turns on the radio. During Kill Bill? Yes, I did. I'm sorry. Wow. I well, apologize and, to everyone. And Kelly brings up a good point. is that I've specifically chosen movies that Quentin Tarantino directed. Uh-huh. Uh, he did also write these movies, um, but he, he has written other movies. He has starred in lots of movies that he did not direct. So uh, when, I, when I'm choosing my films, I, I chose just from the movies that he has directed. Okay. Um, so to jump right into it here. Uh, I'm going to start with my good pick, which is Pulp Fiction. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) I was really worried there. Let me tell you, for the past week, I've been really worried. (laughs) Pulp Fiction uh, um, came out in 94, and I was a sophomore in college, junior in college. I was 20 years old, so I'll let everybody do the math (laughs) and figure out that Mike is 41. Um, But uh, it's one of those movies that... It came out in the theaters, and there was a, a little art theater right down the street from where I was in college, and uh, I saw this movie four, five, six times in the theaters in the first month that it came out. I just fell in love with this movie. Um, to give you a little synopsis, it's a really hard movie to, uh, to summarize. It's sort of three connected, interconnected, but unrelated, independent stories uh, relating to uh, this group of, of gangsters, criminals, um, you have uh, the, the first story is uh, John Travolta's character named Vincent Vega, who is asked to take out his employer's wife uh, Mia Wallace on a on a little date. Take and her out. Take <laughs> I did use air quotes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah he's, he's he's taking her out for a night of entertainment while his while her husband is out of town, 
and uh, she accidentally, there's a lot of sexual tension between the two of them, and then she accidentally overdoses on heroin. He has to sort of take her to uh, a friend's house to, uh, to revive her and save her life. Then the second story revolves around um, the character Butch, who's a, uh, a boxer played by, I'm blanking on his Bruce name. Willis. Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis, thank you. Uh, <laughs> played by Bruce Willis, who uh, double-crosses uh, uh, Marcellus, Wallace. Marcellus Wallace, who is the, the, uh, the employer of, uh, of John Travolta's character. And, uh, and they wind up uh, sort of duking it out, and, and Butch winds up saving Marcellus from being raped by a couple of rednecks. Um, and then the third story. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> the, then the third story deals with uh, again uh, John Travolta's character and uh, his partner um, Jules, who's played by Samuel L. Jackson. And it's a very convoluted thing, but uh, <laughs> there's a miraculous shooting that doesn't kill them, and uh, then they have to dispose of a body under very strange circumstances. And if you haven't seen the movie, it's really hard to summarize. But the thing, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. And you know, the the funny thing too is whenever you say it like that, when you say it in a synopsis, like if I hadn't seen the movie, I go, "This sounds like a really horrible movie." Like, and I think that, and I sometimes I, not I'm not ashamed to admit it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But I'm 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 very, um, I, I tiptoe whenever you know around my audience when I say this is one of the best movies of all time right. because well, what's it about? Oh, a lady overdosing and right. uh, some guys getting raped by, you know, a sex cult. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's hard to it's hard to kind of present it. It doesn't sound like it would be one of the great movies of all time. But I right. think you're right. I agree. It's, in my opinion, one of the greatest movies ever. Um, and, and the thing about it, one of the many things about it that really makes it stand out as so great is the dialogue. It's not the story. Mm-hmm. It's the way the story is told. There's mm-hmm. this there's this gripping, snappy dialogue and, and so many lines and so many scenes from Pulp Fiction are just absolute classics. Um, you know, the, the Royale with cheese bit, um, the uh, the thing about the gold watch with Christopher Walken and yeah. and mm-hmm. you know that that's a, a great scene. It's just this tiny little encapsulated scene that just stands out in your memory. Um, and it, it also has all of the this what has become sort of the 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 typical Tarantino tropes of you know the the Mexican standoff and the 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 violent bloody shoot 'em up scenes mm-hmm. and the telling the story out of order. I mean, I can remember yeah. when I saw this movie the first time, it sort of blew my mind the way all these pieces overlapped and and when you cut back at the end to the scene where they're in the diner and you've got um, pumpkin and honey bunny. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you realize that these two crazy—you know, you saw these two characters introduced at the very, very beginning of the film, mm-hmm. and then you haven't no seen anything, you, no idea who they were. You haven't seen anything about them forever, and all of a sudden, you come back to them at the end, and you realize that now they're going to go up head to head against uh, Vincent and Jules, who who have now established themselves as very bad guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. on, on a couple of levels, they're they're bad guys, yeah, yeah. and they're also bad guys. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you think, wow, this is going to be a a great showdown, and, and really. If you had to say what is what is the movie at the end, what you're left with is this transformation of of Jules from you know this this bad gangster who is you know the 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 baddest mofo in the land, you know, going around shooting people, mm-hmm. and and yet he is he he he's amazed by this miraculous. This, they don't they aren't they're shot at, but they are not killed, and so he he becomes sort of transformed almost instantly, and he's like, I'm walking away. I'm going to change who I am. And, and if you look for a story 
arc and a character development, that's really the character development that... Right. That that really because, because that's not even the, the whole of the movie, but you start with that and you end with that, and so it, it becomes sort of the arc of the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The With all the grittiness and all the really heavy stuff that happens and just bad stuff that happens in this movie over and I tell this to people all the time what they say you know Michael why is this one of your favorite movies of all time because the entire thing is actually about redemption and second chances and that's it sounds really crazy to say that but Pulp Fiction shows the best picture of redemption and second chances than many many movies out there because each one of these characters gets a second chance at life whether it's they dodge a bullet or they, uh, uh, you know, save a, save their boss's wife from from dying, you know, they mm-hmm. all get second chances and kill someone in a boxing match. Yeah, or you kill someone, <laughs> you know, and uh, and Jules is the ultimate one because he actually changes in his entire life, and it's just beautiful. His whole speech at the end, you know, like, uh, but you are the. Well, what is it exactly? You are the you're you're the weak. You're the and weak, I'm the tyranny and I of evil. I'm the tyranny of evil. I'm trying, oh, I'm trying hard. But I'm trying. To be the... go, I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Gosh, that that whole speech just gets me every time. And you know, like John Travolta doesn't believe in any of this stuff. He's just he's crazy. And where does yeah. he end up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and and Jules tries to tries to save him. That's he, what I'm saying. You know, yeah. He says, you know, let, he basically is telling him, let's get out together. And he goes, no. Next day. He's dead. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jules goes on. Yep. You know? And it's right. just... It's a beautiful movie. It's yeah. so weird to say that about Pulp Fiction, but it is. Well, it, it's a lot of different things. You know, it has the grittiness and the kind of crassness of a, um, you know, a crime movie. But then it's... Like, I've seen some places refer to it as a neo-noir, which I think is interesting because it doesn't have any of the, the broody melancholiness. Yeah, it's, no. it's, like, very crisp and light and, and punchy and everything. They're kind of, like, just having a grand old time while they're blowing people away, you know? And, and so, I mean, it's interesting. You made you brought up the dialogue earlier, and it is really witty and effective. Um, there's lots of great scenes. I love the, the scene where um, John Travolta and Mia Wallace do the twist that like, whole that totally whole random. scene in Jackrabbit oh. Slim is yes. just unbelievable. It's so good. I mean, the the dialogue, you know, this this whole story about the the pilot Fox Force Five that she was in, mm-hmm. and the whole thing about did uh, did Rocky Tony Horror throw or was he thrown out of the window and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it just it just it, it takes these these gritty gangster characters and puts them in very different situations talking mm-hmm. about oh they put mayonnaise on fries oh that's gross and yeah. you know the whole foot massage discussion is just <laughs> it takes these characters you don't expect them to be having that kind of conversation it shows them to be just real regular guys and then they flip the switch to say oh let's get into character and they got to go in and be bad and kill people mm-hmm. yeah. you know it, it really just and it, they say exactly yeah i love it that they say exactly that exactly you know they're they're just kind of shooting the breeze and then he goes let's get into character and then the next time you see them they are yeah. the bad guys yeah it's like, hey, you can't be friends with us anymore, audience. We're the bad guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Three comments. One. <laughs> now hold on. Hold on. No, no, no. <laughs> this, 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 these, these are pretty lightweight. These are lightweight. The first two. Um, <laughs> milkshakes are no longer five dollars. That would actually be really cheap. That's all. Every time I order a milkshake now, I'm always like, they're really expensive. I was now. at a restaurant the other day and I thought, this this milkshake six dollars and, yeah. and you know, yeah, there's no uh, bourbon in it or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> but no. Two. 
Micah actually named his dog after Vincent Vega. His dog is named Vega. My dog is named Vega. Nice. And three, I don't think this is Quentin Tarantino's best film. Really? I'm not going to spoil it just yet. So there you go. Just you're just gonna drop, put it out there. I'm gonna put it it out there. Put it out there. On on that note, let's uh, let's move on to my bad pick. I'm good. (laughs) Charles has told me elsewhere that he thinks Quentin Tarantino's best movie is Inglorious Bastards. And I chose that as my bad pick. Wow. Woo-hoo. Wow. Let me let me let me explain why. <laughs> I I um without getting into the third movie, which we'll talk about shortly, when I watched I went back and watched all of these movies that Tarantino had directed, uh, to prepare for this and to make my selections. And honestly, Inglorious Bastards, when I watched it the first time, it didn't live up to what I expected of a Tarantino movie. Tarantino has a very specific style in terms of how he tells a story and the characters he creates and the, um, the way he directs the movie, the way he tells the, the story sort of out of order and all these things that sort of make a Tarantino movie a Tarantino movie. And Inglorious Bastards didn't live up to that in, in, at the, the first time I watched it. When I went back and watched it, you know, I again felt like it was just it was a disappointment. Not that it's a bad movie. I agree. It's a good movie. I mean, it was nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie, but I think it's Tarantino's worst movie. Interesting. That surprises me. That's interesting. <laughs> well, and and part of the reason is, and I've part of the reason is, if I had to choose between this and some other movie, you know, which one am I going to watch again? It's not going to be Inglorious Bastards. There are things about it that just. That you don't because so much of the movie is is in German and in French and you're reading the subtitles. You don't get that same snappy dialogue. You don't right. have any of that. Mm-hmm. You the the you you don't have any of the 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 crazy pop culture references that Quentin Tarantino is so famous for because it's a period piece. Because it's a period piece, right. and you don't. I mean, the one scene that does have sort of the crazy. Let me let me back up and give a, a, a brief synopsis of *Inglorious Bastards*. Mm-hmm. It's 1943-44. They're in Forties, World War yeah. World War Two, and there is a um, a, a the, the Nazis are going to be uh, premiering a uh, a propaganda movie about a war hero. Um, and they're going to do it in, in occupied France at a theater that is owned by a Jew who is in hiding. She has not let it known, be known that she's Jewish. And she decides in rebellion she's going to allow them to have this, this film premiere at her theater, and she's going to burn the place down. Meanwhile, there's this, this group of American soldiers, uh, sort of a squad of American commandos who are all Jewish soldiers who are going around uh, France terrorizing Nazis and, and butchering Nazis. Um, they get wind of the fact that this film premiere is going to be taking place, and they get wind of the fact that Hitler and Goebbels and Goering and all these Nazi bigwigs are going to be there, and they decide, we're going to go in there and blow up this theater. So you've got these two different groups trying to blow up this theater. And, spoiler alert, they ultimately do burn down, blow up the theater, and kill Hitler and Goering and Goebbels. And <laughs> part- In war. In the war, and, and part of part of what bothered me about the movie is, it's so not what actually happened. You have to really suspend disbelief historically, right? And I know that's controversial <laughs> about it, but but doesn't that catch you off guard when that happens? It it's like Whoa. certainly does. I mean, it really, you never saw that coming ever. But again, to get back to the things that I, I don't like about this movie, because it's so much of it is is in German and in French. 
uh, and some bad Italian <laughs> with, uh, with subtitles, you don't have that same snappy dialogue. You don't have the, uh, the, uh, the pop culture references. The, the one scene that does have sort of pop culture references is when they're in the bar and they're meeting the, the, the German actress who's the spy. Um, and she's playing this little parlor game with some of her drinking buddies where they put a, they write a name down of some famous character and they put it on their forehead and then they have to ask questions and guess who uh, the, the person that's written down on their card is. And the person that they're trying to guess is someone, some character from some book that I don't think any of us have ever heard of. And in some way, it's like it's like Tarantino winking, ha ha! I'm doing a pop culture reference, but it's a pop culture reference from the '30s that you don't know, ha ha! Aren't I? Smug? Well, they do the King Kong reference. That's that's a little pop culture. There, there, there is a King Kong like, oh, reference. Oh, I must in there. be an American slave. You know, right? Like, so it's brought over to America. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And he right. Goes, they go now. He goes, oh, okay. Then I'm King Kong. Yeah, he does that whole thing. Yeah. The other thing about the movie that I really, and and I know this is again going to be unpopular. The thing I the, I think that rubs me the wrong way the most is Brad Pitt. His character as the leader of this squad of American Jewish commandos or whatever, he's just, every time you see him, he's just chewing up scenery with his bad North Carolina accent or whatever it is. <laughs> it's funny. It seems so out of place in this, in this, what is often a very serious, very tense war movie, um, although it's not about the fighting in the war, it's about tangential to the war um it's like this really weird comic relief and it just always it feels like you're shifting into a totally different gear and it's a gear that just doesn't ever seem to find its rhythm now when they get to when they're all going in to blow up the theater and he he picks his his two buddies to speak italian and he says, well, I, you know, I speak the most Italian, so I'll speak it first. And then he speaks the second most, and, and, and he speaks the third most. And, and the guy says, well, I don't speak any Italian. He says, like I said, third most. I mean, it's a funny scene, and there's, there's funny <laughs> stuff that happens. <laughs> and the, the Italian that he does speak is so bad. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it, it's funny, but it's just that humor feels out of place. In, in context, I, I thought it gelled. I loved it. All the reasons you're not like. <laughs> no, truly, truly, I like all the different languages because I hate like classic war movies where they just do a bad accent, a bad British it's accent. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like the the Nazis and they're just speaking English with a German accent. Right. Even Spielberg's recent movie War Horse, they have a whole scene where it's Germans on one side and uh, and you know I think it's British on the other. And they're all speaking English. And it's like, they come and they meet in the middle, and it's like, oh, your English is pretty good. Well, no kidding. They're speaking English the whole movie. It's like... Well, and, and, and I don't... It's not that I mind reading subtitles, or, or the, I, I like the fact that they speak the native language. It's just that it misses that, that Tarantino dialogue because it's not... Maybe. I just... I, I don't know. I think... I think uh, he wrote one of his best characters with, you know, with, uh, Lando. I mean, I... I don't the, know. The, yeah, the well, Hunter. Yeah, Christoph yeah. Waltz. I, I, I don't know. I think he has the, some of the best dialogue ever that Quentin Tarantino wrote, even though it is in German. I'm going to be unpopular again and controversial again. So I I'm don't not, want you to go I'm there. I'm not a big Christoph Waltz fan. Oh, he's so good, though. <laughs> but he, isn't he? But I think he's a he's a great villain for the movie. Really and in fact, villain. in fact, uh, I read that uh, Tarantino and Lawrence Bender, who's his longtime producer. Uh, they they almost didn't do this movie because Tarantino said I wrote a character that I don't think any actor can play, and then they found Christoph Waltz and said he's perfect. And yeah, because he actually speaks the languages. He actually, yeah, he speaks all those languages, yeah. and the way he delivered it, I think, was great. I see what you're saying that it's not a good Tarantino film, um, and one way I would uh, I would support you in the it's not 
a great film is that there's no real clear protagonist. And they try mm. to push that Shoshana is the protagonist. Yeah, I would argue she, that she's the one. But she's yeah, but she's like for she's a force protagonist. Yeah, yeah, she's not likable. She doesn't really do much. She's not given much to do. Mm-mm. Well, I would say her and Brad Pitt are the main protagonists in it. Well, I think part of the point that they were maybe trying to make was, okay, usually the the Nazis are portrayed in, in modern uh, World War Two movies. The Nazis are portrayed as the monsters, and the Americans are the the superheroes and in this movie it's the American you know the the it's uh, Lieutenant Aldo's commandos who are the monsters who are butchering people and, and they're doing it in a funny way in an right. entertaining way but it's sort of this hey we're turning the tables and I know that was very controversial a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Jewish critics thought hey what are you saying here the Nazis are the good guys and the Jewish Americans are the bad guys watch out right. here mm-hmm. you know but it, it it's Again, it, it's an interesting idea. It just doesn't really seem to be enough to save know, this movie I, for me. Like the first time I saw it, like because if you base it off the trailers, it seemed like it was just going to be these people killing Nazis like left and right, and it's not really that it's, movie. It's not. It's and mostly it's because of Christoph Waltz. Like I, I don't know. Like every scene he's in, I think that makes the movie. And I and I think part of the part, honestly, one of the things that about Christoph Waltz's character that I do like is the fact that. He's not just this 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 super monster. I mean, he's a he he's he's evil, if you will, because he's a Nazi and because of what he seems to believe. Um, but he's sort of drawn in a very human way. Yeah. He's not Darth Vader, the big bad scary <laughs> Nazi who comes yeah. into you know. He really thinks that he's justified mm-hmm. in you know his speech in the cabin at the beginning, where he says you know. Uh, in order, you know, I think like a Jew, you know, like, uh, and he compares the rat and the eagle, you know, you're looking where an eagle would be, but you need to look where a Jew, where a rat yeah. would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he he thinks he's justified in this. And uh, actually, while I'm talking about that scene, I think that that scene right there is cinema gold. Cause there's that whole so, opening scene. That opening Absolutely. scene, because there's so much tension throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And I was watching this again for the second time. My wife and I, we were watching it. And we were just like clenching the whole time because we even know what's going to happen. But it's like, oh my gosh, this yeah. tension is so thick. It's and the same like with the when it, when they're in the the restaurant at the cafe and he, he orders her milk. There's that yeah. very tense moment uh, where he's like, right. I had think, something to you say think to you, he knew. and that's uh, like the same kind of thing. Like I had uh-huh. something to say to you, and he just they, they just stare at each other, and it's like uh-huh. oh, I can't remember what it is. And then when he walks out, she just breaks down crying. Yeah, that was good. that's really good, too. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the second thing, and I think this is probably the better part of the uh, of what makes Inglourious Bastards good, is that the theater scene, and I walked I walked out of the movie whenever I saw it in theaters, and I said, that w- it's so meta, because you're watching a movie about a Nazi killing the enemies, and these people are cheering, yes, get him, get him, kill him. And then it turns and the Americans start killing the Nazis. And all of a sudden the audience, the, the actual physical audience is going, yes, yes, kill him, get him. <laughs> you are the German audience. Right. You are the Nazi But don't audience. compare it to American Sniper like Seth Rogen did. Cause the, the, oh, I didn't the, know. That, he Seth, did that? Seth Rogen, so that scene was like the movie American Sniper. And he got a lot of flack for Ooh, it. Wow. I just, I don't, That's harsh. So. Yeah. No, but you know, like... It's kind of meta because I was in the theater and I was looking around and people were like, oh my gosh, yeah, kill them, you know. And I was thinking, we are the Germans. We are, you know, it's, yeah. you know, we we have, the Tarantino has basically said, hey, turn the mirror 
you're cheering people dying right now just like they were you're no better than these people mm-hmm. i thought that was kind of yeah deep i think that's that's proof of, of tarantino's genius as a filmmaker in general is that you can if you really you can enjoy it on one level and then you can stop and really analyze it and think about it and try and put it all put all the pieces together and and learn to enjoy it on a completely different level mm-hmm. and like i said i don't think it's a bad movie but i don't think it's a good tarantino movie and i and i i think it's the worst of the movie it's it's my least favorite let's put it that way charles it's my I'm least sorry, favorite sorry, not... of the movies he's done you know i i kind of it's better than the original one though have you seen the original i've not it's better but it's completely different. I mean, the title's it's, the same, it's, but well, it's a little bit different spelling of it. Yeah, it's but I mean, change. ultimately, it's a totally different. It is a totally story. different movie. Okay. Just like Django and Chain is totally different from the other Django movies. Sure. Where was Django? Oh, just just that. My opinion on this movie lies somewhere between the two of you. <laughs> between I hate it and I love it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because because Way I straddled fence, Kelly. Yeah, thanks, thanks. I have, there's something for everyone. Um, <laughs> but I. I really do like Christoph Waltz's character. I think he is—he's such a—he's such an interesting villain. He's, um, you know, he kind of brings—he brings a charisma to it, like a sinister charisma, and he's just—I think he's—he's he's such a great actor. I don't know. I, he just—he makes everything. I've seen him in a couple movies, and he's always sort of Creepy. that guy. Yeah. yeah. Like well, did, did, did you, did you like him in Django Unchained? Uh, he was. Do you like him more in Django Unchained versus this? He, he's a completely different character in Django Unchained. He won an Oscar for both. I gotta say that. Yeah. No, he's great. He's great. I love that part of the the, the story, but I kind of agree with Mike in that I don't love. I I do think Brad Pitt's accent and humor and that storyline feels a little disjointed. And even though I do think it's a it's a good movie, it's a cool movie. I'm glad I watched it. Um, you 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 were saying something earlier about maybe not watching it if you're flipping through the channels like i i don't think i would watch it again probably oh, i do there's only <laughs> one there's only, no i know i know i do i don't i don't know what you watch but um the only <laughs> scene that sticks out to me is kind of weird is the mike myers scene and not because it's bad i it just it's weird that mike myers is in the movie yeah yeah, yeah. right I mean, and he's he's not bad in it and no he's, he's good it, but you're like okay why yeah I mean, yeah, you expect really him to break it. into Austin Powers or something, <laughs> right? Like or a little smirk to the camera, or something. <laughs> right. but also, the way they talk to each other, and the, and the fact that he never really acknowledges that Winston Churchill is sitting right, right there. Right, right. He just walks in and goes, "Hello, old man." You know? <laughs> well, I like that though. It's like because at the end, you know, he finally acknowledges that he is who he is. You know, that's cool. Uh-huh. Speaking of of little little touches, little especially little Tarantino touches, little cameos. I don't know why we have Samuel L. Jackson doing like three lines of narration. It doesn't need to be Samuel L. Jackson. His voice That's doesn't true. fit that at all. I don't know why Harvey Keitel is on the other end of the line as the yeah the, the uh, head the of general. The, yeah, on the other I love both of those things. <laughs> I, 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 it, it just felt like Tarantino going wink, wink, audience. Hey, I've got my favorite people. Yeah, I, I don't like the fact that there are a couple of times, and I know again this is this is Tarantino, but there are a couple of times when it the the background music is like these loud distorted electric guitar chords which doesn't fit the feel and, and I think there's other times when they use the, a, a, a score that just seems so out of place with again this David 1940s gasoline. yeah I mean it's yeah. just would, would you like a Night's Tale? I hate it <laughs> okay, okay. Night's Tale <laughs> at least you're consistent I love that movie as well <laughs> so anachronistic or whatever the word is <laughs> we better move on uh, maybe we can have a quick cut to 
you know, something that happened earlier in the night in Tarantino style. <laughs> Let's pretend. <laughs> now we're back. My uh, my third pick is is what's left, which is the ugly pick, which is Death Proof. Uh, obviously, nobody's surprised by that. Uh, there was no shock, and everybody's jaws on their <laughs> it's not not dropped to the floor. Um, the, to give a summary of of Death Proof, um, it's basically about a a stuntman named Stuntman Mike, uh, played by Kurt Russell. I thought you played that part. <laughs> <laughs> in my other life, yeah. when I'm not saving lives. Yes. Uh, Stuntman You're Mike drives around the country killing young women in his death-proof car. He's got this, this souped-up hot, hot rod. I got it. No, oh, he's got, that's it. He's got this souped-up stunt car with like this roll cage around the driver's seat, and so he picks up Rose McGowan's character in a bar and he goes to crash into this car full of other women that he's decided to kill for reasons that aren't really clear <laughs> and he kills them and he kills Rose McGowan and then there's this weird short scene where he's in the hospital after being in this horrible accident and the cops basically say well we can't pin it on him but we know he's guilty and then it cuts to the next half of the movie which is <laughs> Here's Stuntman Mike following around some other group of women for reasons unknown, and he chases them down in the car, and instead of killing them, they run him off the road, pull him out of the car, and kick the crap out of him. Because they're also stunt people. Because stunt it, ladies. What so, are the odds of that Zoe, happening? yeah, she's the stunt woman for Uma Thurman in a lot of Tarantino films. Yeah, so. yeah. So, so Charles, Charles could probably fill us in a lot more on, on the background of Grindhouse. Uh, <laughs> Grindhouse was basically conceived as a double feature of bad grindhouse movies these old 70s exploitation movies um and so robert rodriguez made one half which was planet terror and i believe that was the first half mm-hmm. um, did you shiver when he said planet terror or was that just a <laughs> no, I, I did actually but it had uh, it was just very, it was well timed but it planet was one terror. of those like Ooh. weird like inner shiver things so the first half of this of this double feature was about a 90 minute movie which is planet terror and then the second half was a 90 minute movie which is uh death proof and it, it's designed to, it's got these bad trailers for awful looking movies. Uh, it's got uh, this cheesy 70s music with the pieces that says, and now our feature presentation. <laughs> and it, and it's, it's designed to look grainy and, and there's weird cuts and splices. And in Death Proof, the original title card has been removed and put in with this other title card to suggest they've changed the title of this movie which is something they would have done back then yeah, um, there's there's a there's a section where there's like the, the film cuts and it says real missing and then it cuts to another scene so they've gone out of their way to make this movie feel authentic to being this old movie but at the same time this movie does not take place back in the 70s it takes place in right. modern day yeah they've all got their cell phones they've and all got their cell phones and but 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 grindhouse does all of that death proof by itself doesn't do any of that doesn't well, have, yes, it does. Doesn't have the trailers or, or you know, it the, has the feature presentation thing. Well, just at the very beginning, but it doesn't have the trailers though. And, and it changes stock halfway through. Yes, it, it goes randomly from color to black and white, and then back to color again. Totally, and there's like those weird. Little well, what I'm saying, like that wasn't in the Grindhouse cut of Death Proof, though. That whole scene where he's uh, photographing them, it's black and white. That wasn't the, in the original. The cut. black and white scene was not in. The if original. you watch the Grindhouse and cut, it's a completely different movie. But we're talking. We're talking. We are talking about. We're talking about a standalone run. 
Yeah. Not the grindhouse. Guy. With the black and white. Okay, all right. Just making sure I watch the right. There, thing. there are so, there are so many things about this movie. The reason I chose it as my ugly movie is because the stuff I was talking about, the the grainy quality, the scratchy film, the skipping around, the story that kind of makes no sense, <laughs> is all done so tongue in cheek. It's supposed to be a bad movie. It's Quentin Tarantino right. saying, "Hey, I'm gonna make a really cheesy bad movie," and because he does, it that that winking at the audience. It seems to work for me to the point where, again, would I watch this movie again? Heck yeah. Because it's so crazy over the top. The badness, you revel in the badness of right. it. I think I, I think I agree. Like, <laughs> I didn't know, I had no clue that this movie even existed, but we were watching it, uh, Zach and I were watching it, and at the end we were talking about it and we were trying to figure out which one of your picks it was going to be. And, and I, was, I, was, I was thinking it was probably going to be the ugly one just because of everything that you just mentioned and he, and he was really thinking it was going to be your bad one so it's interesting but I <laughs> if I had to summarize this movie in five words it would be hot chicks feet <laughs> gratuitous and smashing <laughs> like like there's all these things it's like just a wild Tarantino well, all of well, Tarantino weird loves fetish- feet they're always oh, feet I know it's yeah, a very yeah, fetishy movie like all the, you know, but uh, yeah. but I gotta say I like the grindhouse cut of this so much more. Like when you watch it with the other double feature and they're both bad movies and there's these bad trailers, that works. I don't like the standalone cut of this. Like this would be my bad movie for Tarantino. Well, uh, having having not seen the grindhouse cut, I and you saw the grindhouse cut first. Yes, I actually saw it in theaters. Now it came out like on Easter Day or like the the, the weekend of Easter weekend, right? And so there was nobody in the theater. <laughs> Their planning to release this on Easter weekend was ridiculous, and so it bombed. And that's why they decided to split up the movies. And they added, I don't know, like forty-five minutes to each one, like just crazy amounts. And and they're so much better in the the other cut. You should check out that one, Kelly, if you maybe if I you're will. so inclined. Yeah, well, and no, honestly, it, in most I think a lot of movies where you have the original cut and you've seen that, and then you have the extended cut, you you find yourself realizing. Okay, all that stuff that was cut was probably cut for a good reason. Right, yeah. you like, don't need it. It really slows the pace down, and that movie yeah. does not need to be slowed down because <laughs> well, it is. It's 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 the most like. I mean, there's so much like dialogue, and it goes on and on. And the dialogue and is completely tangential, right. to the main story, yeah. right? Well, and I like the I like the cafe scene or the diner scene with the four uh, actresses. You know, the stunt women. They're kind of talking about old times, and it's it's mm-hmm. uh, you know on a. It's just rotating around the cameras, yeah. rotating around. It's a full, non, not cut scene. I like that. I do too. But um, the best part of the movie, to me, hands down, is the chase scene at the end. The car chase at the end. Oh, yeah, when they're just going wild with revenge and he's like... Oh. And, see, and see, I thought that that was... I mean, you could almost fast forward through it. It's like... That's okay. kind of the way I feel. Like it's just oh, totally no. unnecessary the, to the best part of the movie telling was the, the story. Was the when he when he's all being all charming at the bar and he gets her in his car and he looks at the camera and you just know. <laughs> and then and then he goes and they have that horrible wreck and that's that is so violent and gruesome. The tire through the face. So oh, yeah. that's the best part of the movie. Okay, here here's what when I watched it, I watched it and I watched the whole thing. I was like, okay, yeah, this is Tarantino. This is very very Tarantino. The whole thing. And then I saw the car chase and I went. Holy crap! This car chase is awesome. I actually, after the movie, I re- rewound. What would be the proper <laughs> verb there? Rewound it to uh, the beginning of the car chase. Watched the car chase again. My wife got home later that night. I said, "You got to watch this." We watched that <laughs> car chase again. I watched it three times in one day. That's then awesome. I text my friend and said, "Check out Death Proof." I text my best friend Chris. Said, "Check out Death Proof." Um, 
you can fast forward to the last 20 minutes because the car chase is awesome. Well, and the thing is, it, and he sets up that... He sets up the whole thing about, you know, they're talking about such and such movie. I don't even remember what the car movie is. It's the greatest movie ever. It's the greatest American film there is. And it's his, just like, you know, Kill Bill is his love affair with revenge movies and with kung fu movies and, and all these different, you know, he, he has this, this he, he takes a, a genre and says, I'm going to do this genre. I'm going to do a spaghetti western. I'm going to call it Django Unchained. Or I'm going to do the kung fu movie and call it Kill Bill. It's like he's saying, hey, I'm going to do this this 70s car exploitation movie and he did so let me just do the the best car chase scene that i can and put it all together he was very proud of the fact he didn't do it with any you know he did it all with practical effects and stuntmen and not use any you know cg and that sort of thing so Mm -hmm. you know i agree it's it's a well done scene as far as it seems out of place in in the idea of it being a tarantino movie because you've got all this dialogue and 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 then it's just hey we're gonna hop on the hood of this car and go racing through the countryside and, and then again here comes stuntman Mike out of the blue no explanation whatever he's just going to start crashing into them and he just crashes into them over and over again for 20 minutes I, yeah. think, I think that the death proof car can sum up this movie the best it's either idling or it's screaming down the highway at 70 miles an hour because that's that, that's how the, the, well the pace but, of the story is to your point like Mike like they I think Rodriguez was trying to make a spoof of Grindhouse movies. I think Tarantino was trying to make a Grindhouse movie, absolutely, and not trying to like make fun of it. He wanted to make his own version. Right. I mean, he, he shot it on film to get the scratches and all that. That's film stock. They, they were actually, actually messing up. Actually, whereas up Rodriguez film. was doing digital effects to really screw it up. And so I, I don't know. I think I, when you watch them in theaters, people are kind of divided. You know, which Grindhouse movie was better? Planet Terror is more fun, and it's. You know, it even has Tarantino in it as an alien whose testicles like drop off. If, you're, if you remember that scene, have you seen? How you, could you I it? forget? Well, I'm just saying, like that's the, that's the movie that everybody thinks a lot of people think is better. But I think Death Proof was the better of those two. It's, oh, I, d- I would definitely agree. Okay, absolutely agree. I mean, I, I mean, I, I teased this in the last episode. Planet Terror is a trip on so many levels, um, but but I think that Death Proof is is much much better, despite its really palpable flaws <laughs> I, I've just got to say this one thing I when, when I was watching this okay the scene in in the bar when they're in Austin where she she like does the dance for what's his name stuntman Mike all I could think about was when we talked about Crossroads a few weeks ago <laughs> and you know Brittany's like you know she gets up to do her her talent show thing and and they're like Brittany, it's your time to shine. You have to sing. And she's like, no, no, I couldn't possibly. Well, okay. <laughs> and she's like so against There's no like, way oh, I'm going to do a okay, lap dance on. for this it, guy because he's on, so gross. Hold but on. hey, let me go ahead. And she does, girl does not phone it in at all. The grindhouse cut of that movie doesn't have that scene. Oh my gosh. That's it, that's only in the extended scene. It was so, like I was watching it and, I, and like, it just went on and on. And, and I was like, all I could think about was like, if this if this was me, I would have been like, okay, fine, you got me. Wait, are like, you him or are you the girl? If I was the girl okay. and my friend, which, who, by the way, would be defriended if she ever did this <laughs> to me, I, you know, I, it would be three seconds and I'd be like, whoop, whoop, raising the roof. And this girl is just going all out. I just, I, I was have to show up. you the grindhouse cut of it because that's one of the scenes that's not in it. They talk about, like, her doing a dance for him and then it does the real missing and, he, and it, <laughs> it cuts to them leaving and they're all like, yeah, that was a good dance. And that works so well. <laughs> but then when you actually see it and you're like, <laughs> it's, it's gratuitous. It is. It, it, I'm telling you, it's such a better movie that I love that cut of it, but I hate 
the full length cut. <laughs> I do. It's just, it's not even the same movie. I, so I I don't know. That's 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 yeah. But I, again, my favorite part is when he looks at the camera. I yeah. love that scene. He throws a cigarette away and looks right at the camera. I did kind of want. It's like Smokey and the Bandit style, right there. It's yeah. awesome. And and honestly, when they're when when he's introducing himself, stuntman Mike's at the bar and he's talking about all of his stuntman stuff. I kept thinking. It's too bad that they couldn't have done this movie 15 years earlier and gotten a younger Burt Reynolds because that was such a Burt right, Reynolds right. kind of character. Uh-huh. And you I, know, Kurt Russell is great yeah, as a, in that I, character. I think but, Mickey Rourke was originally who was written. I think, but anyway, I love Kurt Russell in this movie. I'm glad he's going to be in the Hateful Eight. I'm really excited about that. Although his mustache looks crazy. You okay? I just got a terrible leg cramp. Well, we, we know who to call. Them. <laughs> <laughs> is there a doctor in the house? Oh wait, <laughs> that wasn't planned, and that was awesome. <laughs> All right, so is that how we do? I think that's it. That's good. Yeah, we're probably. So, as, and I Mike, think this is our longest episode ever. If I'm and, looking at and this, and you right. know what? It it works because Tarantino really draws out his movies sometimes. In fact, we were thinking about having a, a section where we just all stare at each other to horns, but like. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just did. There we go. <laughs> so now it is a full scene. Tarantino episode. <laughs> okay, so what's what's coming up? What's next? So, uh, let's see. Our next pick is going to be Kelly. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so my next pick, bum bum bum, is 80s teen movies. Woohoo! So, they are... 80s teen mm. movies, yes. Yes. Now, I, I'm going to... I'm going to echo Mike's sentiments and say that I'm pretty sure this is... I'm pretty sure you're not going to agree with the ones that I've chosen. And you may, and I she hope you She's looking do. at me, audience. <laughs> yes. She's looking right at me. <laughs> Charles, you know I'm looking at you. Oh, he, so I know. Char- Charles is a big lover of, of 80s film, and I'm pretty sure that what I'm going to say is not going to be what you're going to say. But that's okay, because we've done a bunch of different categories on this show where... And you've been wrong every time. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Or, I'm sorry. Or I'm you derailing you. So you know, I eventually I hope we circle back to a lot of these genres so that we can each pick the ones that we would have chosen because I think there's going to be a lot of cool conversations. Anyway, so for this next episode, uh, in alphabetical order, we will be watching some kind of wonderful from 1987, St. <laughs> Elmo's Fire from 85, and Teen Witch from 89. Wow. Wow. There are wow. some that are not on that list. Wow. Yep. Okay. I, I'm, I'm practically speechless. There's okay. so many questions. And so little right. answers, I'm sure. I will explain next time. So well, don't you fret. Ah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I want to. Did John Hughes do some kind of wonderful? B. Yes. Okay, at least you got one John Hughes on there. <laughs> I want to give a big, big, big thank you uh, to Mike McGinnis for coming to be a Absolutely. guest yes. host for Woo! us. You did a great job. Thank you for having me. And thank, and thank you for breaking the Tarantino because somebody had to do it at some point. Exactly. But, uh, and it was, a, it was a great episode, long episode, but thanks for sticking around, guys. It's uh, only been three hours. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be sure to check us out on iTunes, Good Bad Podcast, also on Facebook. Uh, it's just awesome.com. And uh, we, uh, if we don't already, at the time of this recording, we should have a, a YouTube page, uh, which will be something. And possibly a live uh, broadcast. Bro- some, a a some live point. broadcast is in the works. And maybe guys. a new studio at some point, too. So that Yes, working on a new studio. We're yeah. moving on up in the world. And uh, uh, guys, reach out to us. We'd love to uh, hear from you. Uh, we love our fans. Obviously, one of our biggest fans, Mike, came on the show, so... Um, again, thank you so much for coming in. 
Anytime. Loved it. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Have a good one.